0: Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey in the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on, and a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them also on the road. God, we pray for insight and understanding today as we consider this scene, Jesus coming into the great city of Jerusalem. So guide us and help us to understand better who you are, who we are, and our, the relationship you're calling us into with you, with each other, and with ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm a little scared after what you did to Michelle. That was a little... Triggering, So I hope there's nothing else to come as Nick mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago the power indeed did go out in the building. So uh, That was a good April fool's joke. I hope Michelle is okay somewhere. It was definitely a stressful moment two weeks ago, so <laughs> I Think she's doing okay well as you uh, may know we are uh, starting a two-month journey as we reflect on the implications of the resurrection and death of Jesus. And next week, we are gonna be uh, here uh, worshiping together, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Next Sunday, we're gonna gather in Central Park to celebrate Easter in Central Park. Next Friday, we have a Good Friday gathering that's gonna be spectacular. So we hope you've got all of these on your calendar. I hope you come out and join us on Friday, Sabbath morning we're going to again celebrate the Lord's Supper together and then Easter in Central Park. We even have a little gathering at Sunrise on Easter Sunday. So we are looking forward to spending time reflecting again on the implications of Jesus' resurrection but also Jesus' death. And we'll be talking about this for months to come. But today we go back to the week before uh, Jesus' sacrificial death and uh, we're looking at the story of Jesus' triumphal entry It's called often by Christians, the triumphal entry, or referred to that of Jesus coming into the city, the great city of Jerusalem. And uh, so this is a a scene or a a narrative that is recorded in all four of the gospels that doesn't often happen. So uh, in in ancient literature, repetition means uh, importance. It means something big is happening. And so uh, we get this scene in all four of the gospels, Jesus coming into the, great city of Jerusalem. And uh, we also get some narrative, some background to the story. Uh, Jesus and this donkey, this colt, this foal, this young animal that has not been ridden before. and uh, Jesus is, is uh, referencing the prophets. And so, uh, in particular, the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah 9.9, 9, it talks about the Messiah, the one of the Lord, coming in on a donkey. There's also a reference to Psalm 118 here, and so Jesus is anticipating what, is, what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, he knows what the prophets have said about his role and the Messiahship, and so he is fulfilling these prophecies, that the Messiah is going to come into his people as a king, writing on a donkey, and so we get the picture then that a great crowd uh, has gathered in Jerusalem. We know that, of course, this was the case because it's the season of Passover, and Passover was one of those times when all uh, uh, men, in particular Jewish men, uh, were invited to or asked to come into the city of Jerusalem uh, to celebrate, and so you've got an incredible crowd in Jerusalem already, but then Jesus creates a a crowd of of his own. We know at this time Jesus is somewhat of of a, if not a rock star, he's certainly uh, someone who people are asking questions about. Just a little time earlier, he actually uh, had uh, resurrected Lazarus. You may remember this story. Jesus' good friend Lazarus had died, and Jesus went and called him out of the tomb, And so we read in John chapter 12 this reference. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So Jesus was becoming more and more uh, popular in in the community. People knew about him. I mean, again, we can imagine somebody that was dead and came out of the grave as alive and walking around. The person who's responsible for this is going to be highly sought after. And so uh, people are talking about Jesus, and now he's coming to Jerusalem for Passover. And John 12, 18 says, many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign of raising Lazarus, went out to meet him. So people were anticipating that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They'd heard about him uh, uh, from his work with Lazarus and uh, now he was, he was coming into the city. But the religious leaders, they said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. This passive stance on Jesus as Messiah, it's getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And so Jesus coming into Jerusalem, the crowds are, are gathered, it's Passover. Many people have heard about him and they wanna see him, so they come out to see him and the religious leaders are, are, are anxious. And nervous because they feel like everybody is going after Jesus. And so we see that many people were indeed familiar with Jesus, which makes sense why they're gathered on the road and we're told that they take their cloaks off. And as he rides into the city, uh, they take their cloaks off and he rides over their cloaks and they're cutting down branches and singing Hosanna. It's quite a scene. But Clearly, there are also those in the city who don't know who Jesus is or don't know what's going on. And so they have this profound question, who is this? Who is this? Now, this whole scene is a stark contrast to something that happened just a couple chapters earlier in the book of Matthew. In in Matthew chapter 16, we have this interaction with Jesus. It says this, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So a couple a chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 16, we're reading from Matthew chapter uh, uh, 21. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is inquiring, who do people say that I am? And then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So you see the stark contrast here. Just a few chapters earlier, Jesus is inquiring with his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And then after having this dialogue privately with his disciples, he's he's like, don't tell anyone that I am the Messiah. Well, now Jesus is uh, willing and ready to come out. He's, 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 He's making a big scene of it. And so now it's very clear that he is okay with everyone knowing who he is. He is the Messiah. So the triumphal entry of Jesus was designed to announce Jesus as the true king, not only of Jerusalem, but the king of the world. The promised Messiah that uh, humans have been waiting for all the way since back in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.15, when there was a promise that God had a plan to fix this broken world. He, Jesus, Jesus is now announcing himself as that fix. And yet, there were those still unfamiliar with him. And so the question, who is this, rings in our ears. It's a question that has lingered throughout human history. Who is this? Who is Jesus? What better question to wrestle with as we start this season of of the resurrection than to wrestle with this question of who is Jesus? Now, the response from the crowd was accurate. (laughs) It was accurate. He's a prophet. He's uh, he's a a prophet from Nazareth. Uh, But it's insufficient. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. And and, uh, this this reference from the crowd as they're responding to those people who say, who is this? It reflects what the disciples had already told Jesus what people thought of him. Oh, they think of you as a prophet, maybe Jeremiah, uh, maybe Elijah, maybe Maybe a uh, 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 John again. Uh, so they, 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 that was the, the thought. People were thinking of Jesus as a prophet. And yet this response is accurate, uh, yes, yet not fully representing who Jesus is. And so even among those who profess to, uh, to know him, not exactly sure what he's all about. And I think that's a reality for us today. Uh, we, 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 we still wrestle with this question, who is uh, Jesus, And sometimes we have uh, 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 answers that are accurate but inadequate. They don't fully articulate who Jesus is. And so it leads to our key question today, what makes it difficult to identify who and what Jesus is? What makes it difficult to, 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 to identify or to ar- articulate who and what Jesus is? And in response to that, there, as always, are a number of questions, but it starts with a lack of imagination. We have a lack of imagination when we try to answer the question, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is what the crowd was doing. They they, they couldn't kind of fully wrap their minds around who Jesus is. He's a prophet. They, They can only refer to Jesus by things that they've seen before. He's a prophet. He's a teacher, he's a great example for us. Their their imagination is limited to that which they know, to that which they've seen before. Teacher, philosopher, example, and so on. Again, in Matthew chapter 16, the people are like, he's John the Baptist, or Elijah, or uh, Jeremiah, and so people are relating Jesus to what they've already seen before. Uh, People love Jesus as a prophet. People love Jesus as a teacher today, even, as we wrestle with this question, who is Jesus? You know, most people, even people who are outside of uh, the the Christian community are okay identifying with Jesus as a great teacher or a philosopher or somebody that we should follow as, as an example. Do you remember back in the day when we had uh, WWJD, people you wear those, I don't know who wore this, I don't know if you had this, but you had the WWJD, and when you were making a decision about, you know, what uh, candy to buy at the store, you would look at your thing and say, what would Jesus do? Remember that? we're okay, we're very comfortable with the idea of Jesus as a, very, uh, a great example because he, look, he, was, he was a good example. He loved people, he cared about people, he did things for people. We we're comfortable with Jesus as a great teacher. He taught incredible things. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who argues that that is not great advice and counsel and a great teaching? We love that. In humans, it doesn't matter your religious background. That's something that everybody can accept. And so Jesus as a teacher, Jesus maybe even as a prophet, Jesus as an example, we're comfortable with that. We're comfortable with that. Jesus as an example is a, is a big one. I think in Christian communities in particular, maybe even in Adventist communities, you know, this—we we, we, we were from the Adventist tradition, Church of the Advent Hope, and we love the idea of Jesus as an example, someone that we should follow. Back in um, about 1988, I was 14 in 1988, you can do the math um, as to how old I am. If you wanna do that, who cares? I don't know, why would you do the math? Anyway, in 1988, couple things happened. I was 14. I was at Spencerville Junior Academy in Maryland where I grew up. And uh, I played sports. And uh, there was a sports figure, a luminary, if you will, called Michael Jordan. Remember Michael Jordan? If you were around in 1988, everybody knew who Michael Jordan was. In fact, in, in uh, 1988, one of his uh, shoes were released. the Air Jordans. I still have... I, 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 okay, so I don't remember if uh, I saved up my money or my parents were gracious enough to purchase for me what are now known as the Jordan 3s. Okay, now I have a replica of those. Did you have those too? No. Okay, you remember those. Okay, all right, so I have a replica of, I didn't wear them today because then we're going to get too crazy. Last week I wouldn't, but I have a replica of those very same Jordan 3s. I had Jordan Air Jordan 3s. And um, so I was 14, and when you're 14, you do stupid things. And I was running around in the gymnasium, the decrepit gymnasium of the old Spencerville Junior Academy in Maryland. And I don't, I'm assuming I named myself this, because I can't imagine anyone else, but I feel like I bestowed upon myself the name Air Todd. Air Todd. Um, If you've seen my vertical leap, you would know... That, uh, that doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense, okay? But, you know, you, you're 14 years old. Michael Jordan is the dominant basketball player. He was an example of what uh, uh, someone wanted to aspire to, an athlete wanted to aspire to. And so we're joking around, Air Todd, you know, playing basketball very, very poorly, uh, by the way. But he was an example, someone to live up to. And so you tried, you did your best. But I was never (laughs) in the league of of, uh, Michael Jordan. And so we we, we also treat Jesus like this, that he's an example. But like like Air Todd to Michael Jordan, uh, uh, the rest of us are never gonna be sufficiently living up to the example of the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus as an example, Jesus as a model is insufficient, but we're stuck because our imagination is limited to that which we know. And so we refer to him as a prophet, a teacher, a great philosopher, a model for how we should live. Uh, Secondly, we have a difficult time identifying who and what Jesus really was because we aren't really fully convinced that we cannot solve our own problems. We're not fully convinced that we cannot solve our own problems. We keep being t- tempted by the idea that we can take care of ourselves, that we can fix the problems that we're in, whether as individuals or as humans. And so our solutions to our problems are rooted in our own efforts because we think we can take care of things. If we just try a little bit harder, if we just try to be a better person, we can achieve a... Uh, things that uh, are on our own that are gonna solve the problems that we have. These, uh, the same religious leaders, by the way, who were scared of Jesus and nervous about Jesus, they had this uh, same issue. They promoted the idea of personal piety, solving the problems of society and individual problems. If you do things, spiritual things, pious things, very, very accurately, you're going to solve the problems that you're dealing with. And so the, the solution to the problem is just trying harder, just doing things more accurately and more intentionally. And as we do things more accurately and more intentionally, we will uh, become and develop into the uh, people that we're supposed to be. right? So this was uh, a problem in Jesus' day. Jesus himself, by the way, he confronted this, this when he was talking to the religious leaders. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And so the idea is that they're studying the scriptures to find out what they should do, how they should behave. That's the approach many of us still today go when we go to the Bible. We want to read the Bible as if it's an instruction. How are we supposed to live You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life, yet these are the very scriptures, Jesus said, that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so Jesus is confronting uh, this idea that uh, we are capable of fixing our own problems. Finally, we have a difficult time embracing who Jesus really is was because the good news seems too good. The good news, who Jesus really was, seems too good to be true. It can't be this good. It can't be this good that God has sent his one and only son into the world to rescue the world. And, 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 and that alone is enough to solve the problems. That seems too good. And so we have a difficult time answering that question who is Jesus? Or we answer it with all kinds of questions that are accurate but inadequate. It's understandable. We live in a cynical time and we become cynical people, and things that seem too good, they always are. And so we answer inaccurately or inadequately when it comes to the question, Who is Jesus? And so what's the solution? How do we embrace who Jesus really is? How do we accurately respond to the question, who is this? Who is this? In Mark chapter one, when Jesus first shows up on the scene, he gives us the answer. He said, the time has come. These are the first words out of Jesus' mouth. The time has come The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. This is the solution Jesus uh, gives to really embracing and understanding who he is. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent, acknowledge the ways in which you're going in the wrong direction in your life and aren't heading in God's direction. Okay? And then believe in the good news. Believe that God has a plan and that plan is rooted in the work of Jesus. <laughs> even if you don't understand everything about him and what he's doing, Jesus is like, that's okay. I mean, Jesus, before he explains who he is, he shows up the first words out of his mouth are repent and believe. He's inviting us to believe even before we get everything. And so... The solution of the issue, who is Jesus? And the question, who is Jesus? Jesus responds, repent and believe. Like, Jesus is inviting us to believe in something we don't fully understand. And that is challenging to us. Especially in this world where we've got to prove everything. Now, this invitation to believe isn't just based in the wind. God has given us enough evidence that he's at work in Uh, the the world, to, to trust and believe in him. And so he can say, Jesus can say when he calls us into relationship with him, acknowledge the ways in which you've been heading in directions that are hurtful and harmful to you and to each other. And believe in the one that God has sent. Jesus is calling us into belief in him so that we can truly understand who he is, not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just an example, but the one who rescues us from everything, who gives us power and peace in this broken world. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest.'" He doesn't say, come to me, and I will teach you how to be peaceful and to how to live a better life. He says, Come to me, and I will give you something that you cannot conjure up on your own. I will give you rest. This is the invitation of Jesus. God doing something for us through Jesus that we will never, ever, ever be able to do on our own. And so, who is Jesus? He is the one who's changed the world. Paul said it like this God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who is Jesus? He's the one who became sin for us so that we be- can become righteousness. God's work on our behalf. And the invitation is to confess and believe in this. Jesus is the solution, not Jesus' teachings Not Jesus' example. Jesus himself is the solution to our broken worlds and to our broken self. And he's inviting us to confess faith and repent and trust in him. And so in the season of Jesus' death and his rest and his resurrection, may God give you peace as you confess faith in him today. Amen.